from this week's uh, topic on rays of the one light. The importance of soul receptivity. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In chapter 1 of the Gospel of St. John, it states, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This was a passage that Paramahansa Yogananda often quoted to his disciples. Be in tune, he would tell them. Delusion can't touch you if you will keep in tune. A few of you will fall, he said once. But it needn't be if you would stay in tune. Of a disciple who became highly advanced, even though she didn't meditate much, he said, she got there. By attunement. To one who found meditation difficult, he said, I will meditate for you as long as you stay in tune. Truth is a state of consciousness, not a well worded definition. It is in that consciousness, above all, that our lives are transformed. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the 10th chapter, To those who are ever attached to me and who worship me with love, I impart discernment by means of which they attain me. Out of my love for them, I, the divine within them, set a light in them the radiant lamp of wisdom, thereby dispelling the darkness of their ignorance. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. So let's start with a beautiful passage, one of Master's whispers from eternity. This is, Make me silent that I may eloquently converse with thee Wandering through forests of incessant searching, I arrived at the mystery door which conceals thy presence. I knocked loudly on this door of silence with persistent blows of faith. At last, the door opened and I beheld thee resting on thy altar of glorious visions. I stood with restless gaze waiting for thee to speak Thy creation-making voice was inaudible. At last, a deep stillness stole upon me and taught me in whispers the language of angels. With the lisping voice of my newborn freedom, I tried to speak. Suddenly, the lights in thy temple wrote brilliantly in letters of light. In my little chamber of quietness, I am ever at rest. I never speak now, but with the voice of silence. Through my silence, O divine lover, converse thou eloquently with me. What a great poet he was. Just to capture 
all the levels of spiritual consciousness in words is no easy task. So, the quote from the Bible, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And as Swamiji said, Master often quoted this to his disciples. And for me, this passage kind of has a double significance, both for the scriptural meaning, we move this way. And also, I remember very vividly in 1979, Swamiji was giving a big lecture in uh, San Francisco. He'd been doing workshops all over the Bay Area, and it culminated in 1979 in what he called his Superconscious Living Seminar, and we held it at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco, which is a big auditorium seating more than a thousand people, and it was well filled. Well, he gave a beautiful seminar on Saturday, and then he was going to do Sunday service. And Saturday night, he called Jyotish and I up. We were all in the Bay Area. And he said, I want you to help with Sunday service. I had never given Sunday service before. And here it was in front of almost a 1,000 people. And we got the word the night before. And the theme was this, to as many as received him, gave me the power to become the sons of God. So listen, it's easy today. (laughs) And I remember Swami said, I'll give the... um, I'll do the chanting and I'll give a little talk and then when I'm done then Davy you come up and give a talk in Jyotishi so I was sitting in the front row and I humbly admit that my mantra was I can't do this I can't do this I I just can't really it was going in my mind like a great cosmic sound I can't do this I can't do this and then I realized he was coming to the end of his talk I was going to have to stand up and walk from the front row up the steps onto the stage. And just in that moment, the words became so real to me. To as many as received him, to them gave he the power. And I said, okay. And in that moment, I felt Swami's hand as though a wave of energy reaching out, taking my mind, my consciousness, my thoughts in his bringing me up onto the stage, and the talk happened. I don't, I have no memory of what I said, but <laughs> it, was cer- it was the living experience of that, and that was the first Sunday service I ever gave in 1979. So it was quite a moment, and it, was, it taught me so much about receptivity. And what does it mean to be receptive? It means to be open. The part of me was saying, I can't, I can't. That was the part that is closed, that's resistant. And we all have so many of those parts that say, I want it my way, I can't do it your way, whatever it might be. But just to say, I am open, I will do it, I can do it. And during our classes, during um, Inner Renewal Week, we touched, touched a little bit on the concept that a friend of mine uh, shared with me. We didn't get to develop it too much, but this concept of unacknowledged resistances. And this is the opposite of soul receptivity. It's like, oh, 
and, and unacknowledged because we're not looking at them clearly. We think, I'm okay, I'm a devotee, I live in a community, I meditate, I will, all the things we say we do do. But the unacknowledged resistances are those things where we say, I won't do this, I can't do that, and this is not the way I wanted the world to be, and so I'm going to push it the other way. All the things that we, we don't want to look at. And the good news is that we can't get away with it. The unacknowledged resistances. Just this in that beautiful passage in the Gita, at the, it was the end of the reading, where it said, God says, in the form of the Lord Krishna, God says, I, the light within them, light the lamp in their hearts so that they have discernment. So the light that is within each one of us, the divine spark of consciousness, lights the lamp of soul receptivity. Whether we resist or not, it's going to happen. And whether we like it or not, our feet are going to keep moving ineluctably, step by step, towards God. We may run away, we may take detours, we may run backwards. It doesn't matter. That light is ever guiding us forward. We can't escape it. It's such, And it's so reassuring to know that. And so whenever we fall into habit patterns that we wish were not there, the unacknowledged resistances, let's say we have the tendency to gossip or to speak critically of others. And uh, we get caught up in a pattern and we sit with someone and we're criticizing someone, whatever it might be. Well, another friend of mine uh, who's here today shared with me a great technique. She said, if you find yourself getting caught up in that momentum, oh, this person, they're always late, and they're, they're never responsible, whatever, you know, whatever you're being critical about. And you go on and on, and then catch yourself and say, just like me. <laughs> and I think that's just a wonderful tool. Go on and on, but just say, just like me. And then you're free. They're free of it. And, and I think the more we do that, the less the desire to be critical <laughs> emerges because we know we're going to be exposing ourselves as well. So, and then, you know, the guru. He's not easy on us. Yes, our blessed master, an incarnation of divine love, But in that divine love, he's not saying play in delusion. He's not saying keep living all with the attitudes and patterns that are keeping you in suffering. In his love for us, he will give us the hard knocks that keep us moving forward. And just as, you know, we got off lucky with Master. Just read the uh, years in my master's hermitage. It could have been Sri Akteshwar, you know. And he was so discerning. The least thought, not even a complete thought, the least movement away from alignment with God's light, boy, he'd just nail you. And master said, let's see if I 
if I kept it here. Yeah, I did. Okay, I, I just, this is from the wonderful calendar that Pramshanti and Larry put out every year, but just one of my favorite quotes. I guess it reveals something about me. <laughs> For every humbling blow Sri Teshwar dealt my vanity, Master says, for every tooth in my metaphorical jaw he knocked loose with stunning aim, I am grateful beyond any facility of expression. The hard core of human egotism is hardly to be dislodged except rudely. With its departure, the divine finds at last an unobstructed channel. In vain, it seeks to percolate through flinty hearts of selfishness. So every time the guru knocks a tooth loose in your metaphorical jaw, just say, thank you. Thank you, because now I'm becoming more receptive. You got my attention. As long as we're just going our merry way, we don't change. Why would we? But it takes those blows to the ego that come from the guru and who is the guru? It's not somebody whose picture's on the altar merely, not somebody that was born in India and came to America. The guru is our own higher self. And the more we merge with that thought, the more we accept that thought and are receptive to that thought, the more we are open to his guidance from within. And that's why we are so blessed to have a guru who has the stature of someone like Yogananda. He said to Swamiji, I know every one of your thoughts of every one of my disciples. And that didn't end in 1952. (laughs) It didn't end yesterday. It's not ending this moment. Every moment of our lives the guru lovingly, wisely, patiently looks at our thoughts and tries to mold the rough clay of human vanity and egotism into a beautiful form of the heart open and lifted to God. And that ultimately is all that's important. Soul receptivity Master would praise Rajasi Janakananda, his advanced disciple. And he said he advanced so quickly because of receptivity, not because of great attainments, not because he was a great meditator, which he was, all of those things. Went into highest states of samadhi after but a few years of doing Kriya Yoga. But that's not what Master praised him for receptivity to the guidance of the guru within. And so how do we deepen that receptivity? It comes through going into the inner silence, as Master spoke of in the whispers, through meditation. And I know some people say, oh, but I can't meditate more than a few minutes or my mind is so restless. It's a battle we all fight. No one has it easy. No one sits down, or very few of us sit down, not me for sure, from the first day and say, okay, I got this one down. What's the next thing? We work at meditation. We work at keeping our mind interiorized and focused. And bit by bit, 
the Guru show all the doors do open themselves, all the lights do light themselves, as it says in the chant, and the techniques reveal themselves to you year after year, and that's the beauty. I remember when I was at that pivotal point in my life where I was trying to decide just last years of college before I came to Ananda, what am I going to do with my life? Because I didn't have big ambitions. When I was a little child, people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I would simply say, happy. (laughs) But I, I didn't have any big goals in life that I wanted to do anything great. But I wanted to do something that was meaningful. And I looked at all the different things I could do because I had role models in my life and through college of doctors and dentists and lawyers and business people and professors and archaeologists and all the things you could do with your life. And I looked at them and I thought, you know, I would come to a certain point where it just would not be a challenge anymore. It would not be fulfilling And then I came upon Master's Path, and I came to Ananda, and I said, Aha! This I can do for the rest of my life, and it will always provide a challenge. And that's the beauty of the inner life. Because the more we go, we walk that path, the more beautiful it becomes, the more magnetic it becomes, the more fulfilling it becomes. And the more you feel inside how free you are, and the potential for how free you can be. And so, for each of us, just keep trying with your sadhana, with your meditation. Push the edge a little bit if you can. Challenge yourself if you can. But be, And then in your meditation, and this is something that really I've learned in the last couple of years, do your techniques but then converse with God in the silence. Sit and feel his presence. That's where the transformation takes place. It's not in what we do. It's in soul receptivity. You make the effort. You open your heart to God. And his whispers come so beautifully. I remember so many moments with Swamiji where we would be with him It could be in the most mundane of places. It could be in a shopping mall or at a gas station. You know, there were traveling and all these things. And then you could even be talking about something rather mundane. And yet you would just feel his, his centeredness in God, his joy in God, and everything around you was beautiful and different. Some of you know the story. Um, It's in one of our blogs. For those of you who don't know, Jyotish and I have a weekly blog called Touch of Light. If you go to jyotishandavy.org, that's our website. You can sign up and get it every week. But I remember we went camping with Swami, and these were early days of Ananda. I was pretty new on the path. And we... um, we went up to Mount Shasta, which is a beautiful mountain, not too far, from, well, between Oregon and California in there. And so we were, uh, we were camping out. We had little sleeping bags and cooking our meals outside. There were about 12 of us. 
And then one day we were going to go for a walk up this trail up the mountain. And that day happened to be the day that the monarch butterflies hatch out and they migrate. And so we're walking up this trail and hundreds of thousands, I mean, it was who were like walking through clouds of monarch butterflies and they were pouring down in these streams. It was really as close as the world I've ever been in this world. And I, I had never traveled with Swami before and I was thinking, does this always happen? <laughs> Sort of phenomenal, wonderful, phenomenal experiences. But it was just the joy. And I think nature was responding to Swamiji because of his love and his purity of heart. And just this is the fruit of soul receptivity. Wherever you go, whatever problems may be facing you, whatever tests and trials come your way, Remember two things. They come from the guru to break the hold of ego and to see behind them and to see the beauty in all circumstances. The more we do that, the more that beauty is revealed to us. Some of you know the story, Master's wonderful disciple, Kamala De Silva, who wrote... Um, flawless Mirror and Priceless Precepts. Uh, by the way, someone in India just gave us audio copies of her talks that she gave. And my goodness, she was a fantastic speaker. Her talks were so inspiring. And now everyone's going to ask me, contact Lakshma. And he, will, he will get those to you. But... At the end of her life, she became senile and had no one to care for her. And so we brought her here to Ananda, and the devotees here cared for her. But then the dementia became more than we could handle, and she would wander off into the woods, and we couldn't care for her anymore. So we put her in an uh, elder care facility, and one of our girls went to visit her. Uh, she was sharing a room with another woman, and when our when our friend went in, she was kind of horrified to see that Kamala's roommate was a woman who had been very disfigured in a fire, and her face was quite scarred and difficult to look at. And our friend went in, and Kamala, no longer with clarity of mind, but with that blissful soul receptivity that saw beauty everywhere. And she said, oh, have you met my roommate? Isn't she beautiful? And that's all she saw, was that beauty. And so soul receptivity, it's not bondage, it's freedom. It's the freedom to see in all of life's circumstances God's light shining in the darkness, God's love shining through confusion or uh, misunderstanding, to be receptive, to be yearning for the oneness with that vision of life that is worth, it's the pearl of great price, worth all the losses and gains of humanity. In the end, none of that matters. But to live with God's walking by your side, to converse with him constantly, eloquently, in silence. 
and to see the world through those eyes of divine love that our guru blessed us with and showed us the way that we too, if we receive him, we will be the sons and the daughters of that one divine God, Father.